I'm just going to read to you now from Matthew 21, 18 to 22. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what, ha- what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Lord, I just pray today that you open our ears and our hearts, that you speak to us and help us to learn something new and something deep about you. Amen. Amen. Um, as many of you will know that uh, we've uh, launched uh, a couple of weeks back a Try Praying initiative uh, with the buses and the booklets and the apps that you can get on your phone and everything. And so just this morning, wanted to, I managed to give, uh, this is a different one, but I managed to give mine away uh, to someone uh, this last week. So I just wanted, is anybody, do you want to put your hand up if you've managed to give, pass it on to someone yet? Brilliant, fantastic, great, a few hands there. And I know there'll be others of you um, who, You've not given it away yet, but you know who God's kind of put on your heart and mind to give it to. Um, Maybe stick your hand up if you kind of know roughly where you think it's going to go. Brilliant. And we're praying for the rest of you as well that you kind of just really sense where where that might go, where that might be. Rather than, and we had um, an email during the week from one of the radio stations. And this guy on the radio station had just said, I just see these buses everywhere. What what, what is this? Um, Do you want to do something about it? So we, we may be doing something around that. But... Nobody's going to really find out about it unless we pass them on. So it's a great opportunity to let people know who are looking and seeing and uh, wondering what this campaign is all about to try praying for seven days and uh, see what happens. So let me encourage you uh, in that. And so this week we continue our series and uh, our theme really is faith. Um, As uh, Lorna read to us, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Amazing words. Now, I don't think Jesus was in the rock excavation business. I don't think he was looking to relocate cliffs from here to the bottom of the ocean. Um, I think he was probably using the word mountain in a figurative sense. And what it means is that there is nothing too big for God. There's nothing too big for God to do. And our prayers can be more than empty wishes. Our prayers can be more than just hopeful thoughts when it's combined with a faith-filled heart. Whatever mountain it might be that is standing in your path, whatever obstacle appears to be blocking the way in your life, whatever challenge seems to immobilize us in life, Jesus says here that he can take that out of our life equation, that somehow he can remove that um, as we pray and as we pray with faith. And so the question is, how can we have such a faith-filled life? How can we pray such faith-filled prayers? I think one of the keys to that is rather than focusing on the mountain, is to focus on the mountain mover. Okay, the one, the God who can move the mountain. And as we focus on him and his power and his grace and his love, then we can begin to see things, uh, amazing things happen 
in our lives because he is the God who is able. He's the God who is, uh, has power over nature, as we looked at, has power over circumstances, has power to change human hearts. Uh, when I was 25, um, not so long back, and uh, just before Ruth and I were married, um, I unfortunately contracted a skin condition and it was incredibly itchy. Um, it was the most, it was just drove me mental, drove me mad. Um, the slightest bit of heat, body heat, just made it worse. So I was cycling, and it wasn't the warmest time of year, in a t-shirt, but I was, everywhere I was going in a t-shirt because I couldn't stand heat. Um, at night, it got so bad that I used to find a cold plaster wall to press my back up against, just to, to kind of draw out any body heat that I had, because it just helped. And I felt, I remember feeling, I read Job, you know that passage in Job where he scrapes himself with a bit of pot. And I thought, man, this, this, is, how I, this is how bad it got, and that's how I felt driving me to distraction. And more frustrating was the doctor told me that it was gonna last a while. It was gonna be three months at least, and possibly longer, um, but there was nothing they could really do about it. Now we were getting married just a few weeks later, and the thought of sharing a bed with someone and a week's holiday in a slightly warmer climate just played badly on my mind. That is not a good start for a marriage, I have to say. It's not good for a honeymoon. And uh, we'd been praying about it. And uh, the, one night we were praying, and uh, I, I kind of slept, and I had one of these dreams. It was one of these kind of warfare dreams. You know these dreams where everything's at battle in your heads. You know, like the rugby yesterday, it's kind of people taking chunks out of each other. And, um, and during the dream, it was, it was basically, it was, it was like a, uh, I got this verse in my dream, because it, like it was an old-fashioned kind of battle. And it was a verse from the book of Joshua. And I didn't know what it said, but I looked it up the following morning. And it was one of these verses that talks about winning the battle. Um, I think it was Joshua 6. I've delivered the city into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. So it was that sense and the encouragement that somehow God was winning the battle as we prayed. And then a friend of ours from our small group sent us a verse from Isaiah um, that talked about no weapon against us would prevail. So again, doubly encouraged by this point with um, what God was kind of sharing with me, but my skin was still driving me absolutely mad. I then went away for a few days and uh, we had a time of worship and a time of praise. And during that time, God began to do something um, in, physically in me. Uh, friends began to pray for me um, and it was as though the, this virus was being purged, if you like, from my skin and from my body. It was a really strange um, kind of situation. And when I got back, I told Ruth, um, I was thinking I phoned her, but I don't think mobiles were even invented then. So it was either a pay phone or I told her when I got back, I can't remember. But I said, it feels different, but I don't think it looks different. I still look pretty kind of crusty and wrinkly and whatever, you know. Anyway, she said, I think it does look different because um, I've been away for two, three days. And over the next two or three days, it completely went. And uh, I had a follow-up appointment with a doctor who was seriously surprised. And he, just, he said to me, I said, I've never seen this clear up in that sort of time. That is very unusual. It's usually months and months and months before anything happens. And uh, a few weeks later, we got married. And I believe because of that, God was just particularly gracious uh, to me um, in all of that. Much of life is not that dramatic. And yet, faith-filled, mountain-moving prayer starts when we focus on God, when we focus on him in praise, in worship. And as Joshua, as revealed to Joshua, as they focused on the commander of the Lord's army, the one who would take the battle forward. 
as we focus on the mountain mover rather than the mountain itself and following his lead in that. And many of you will know, if you know the story of uh, Joshua and the Jericho, the walls didn't come down because they focused on the walls. The walls came down because they focused on God. And the, 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 the instructions they had, the priests were to carry the trumpets out and to lead uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which was a symbol of the presence and power of God. And as they went out, they worshiped for seven days and then the walls fell down. Okay, remarkably, the archeologists tell us the walls fell outwards, um, which was unusual rather than inwards. And then they, they were able to kind of go up and, and over and take the city um, as God led them in that. Now, I want to introduce you to uh, uh, Anthea. I've got the other microphone. Many of you will know Anthea, um, not everyone do. Um, Anthea's actually been kind of involved with Riverside for many, many years. And she just shared some stories the other day, which um, she's gratefully said she would share with us just now, but she's too nervous to come up the front. So she's gonna share from where she is. Okay, so some years ago now, um, I developed uh, a big lump on my throat and uh, I got to a specialist and he said, it had grown so quickly, it was already pressing on the windpipe that I needed it cut out straight away, otherwise I would just die. I thought this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You're dealing with a symptom here and I just met the Lord not long ago and he knows roots, that's what needs dealing with, otherwise it's gonna come out again some other way. So I said goodbye, I'm gonna ask my maker who knows why it's happened and um, I got home and I, I <laughs> cried to him, reckon with me, deal with me, get to the roots of what on earth's going on in me and as clear as day I heard a voice sort of speak into my spirit, forgive your husband for leaving you and my pride rose and I, I said but I wanted him to go but that same voice said, forgive him for going. <laughs> and so I, I worked on my heart and he, he was a trained herbalist and he mixed me up some herbs to take for three weeks and I did. And they tasted so bitter and yet within three weeks I was completely healed. And I've never had it since. That's one story, and then um, it was my next door neighbor that brought me to Christ, and I was in a, a tiny little house with five boys, and there were four of them in one room, and my um, oldest son was in the box room, and I was on the settee, and, and my neighbor said, God's your father now. He owns the world. He's got better for you than this. Go on a prayer walk and tell him what you want in a house. I don't want a house. Houses meant pain to me. My, my parents were always at loggerheads and I only ever found peace in the garden. So I'd caught the hippie dream and I, I wanted a teepee. <laughs> so, so my neighbour said to me, well, you might want a TP, but your children need better than that. They, they need more space, and God owns all the houses in the world. So I went to get her off my back. I walked up the, to the end of the road, up the monkey steps, and Dave and Linda happened to live there. 
But it was as if God opened the eyes of my heart to see houses don't need to mean pain. And uh, I thought porchways look really welcoming. And uh, <laughs> bay windows, lots of light. My little house was so dark. And um, French windows. Oh, straight out, out, out into the garden, into the big garden. Um, there were just a couple more specific things, uh, like lots of room, enough to house six bikes. And um, I think there was just one more. Because my parents were always in different rooms and no one communicated, and my brother yet in another I would cry in, in the attic or in another room. Why don't people talk? So a wall that's broken down into an archway meant to me, break those dividing walls. So here they are, all the specific things. And my neighbor said, okay, here's your daughter. You're her father now. You own the world and she's coming to you for these things. And as we named them all, it was almost within days that the council offered me a house that had all those things. And I didn't ask for heating. And I got no heating. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> the council are... Um, committed to giving you one fire in this big house, I finally get a fire. But my ex-husband helped me go to the council, the local councillor, and we, we finally did end up skipping to keep warm and had fire, another fire. But, um, yeah, well, anyway, this house is very outstanding, literally. It's it's standing forwards from all the others and it's clearly God's house and he's given me the massive privilege over 14 years of looking after so many of the children at Riverside as a childminder which I've totally loved and they've supported and blessed me and so there it is. Brilliant, thank you so much, thanks for sharing. Thank you, thank you. Now, absolutely wonderful, remarkable ways in, uh, in which God works um, as, we, as we come um, with faith to him. And I was sharing uh, earlier this year at one of the prayer gatherings, just some thoughts on prayer. And, uh, and just as you look through the Bible, the things that seem to attract God's presence, the things that seem to draw his special attention uh, into our lives. And uh, many of you will know um, what UHF stands for, um, ultra high frequency radio waves. Um, you get very high frequency and you get ultra high frequency. And uh, for those of you that aren't as technical, basically these are the radio waves that are used in communications. So they're used in, um, for example, digital radio, if you wanna get your channel on digital radio. Um, your Freeview channels all work at, at UHF, uh, ultra high frequency. Your mobile phones, uh, again, within uh, that range as well. 
And uh, they work by line of sight, so you'll be aware when you can't get a decent signal. You know, if there's a mountain in the way, if there's a big building in the way, you get a terrible signal. And, uh, and you know, we get frustrated with that. But uh, they work through line of sight, but they can be blocked in that kind of way. And uh, our communication lines with God can likewise get blocked in a similar way. And so I have a different UHF for keeping our prayer channels to God open. And uh, here's my one, it's uh, unity, it's humility, and it's faith. And as you read through the Bible, you begin to see that these are the things that seem to attract God's presence and draw, draw his, his attention in a special way. Instead of unity, it's division. Instead of humility, it's pride. Instead of faith, it's unbelief. And these are the things that block um, God moving very often. And a quick sweep of the Bible, and you know, many of us will be familiar with these passages. Psalm 133 in the Old Testament, how good and pleasant it is when, when people dwell in unity, when people live together in unity. For there, the Lord bestows a blessing. There's a blessing there. Gospels, Matthew 18, 19. Again, I tell you that if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask for, it will be done. It will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with you. There I am, the presence of God. And the early church, Acts chapter four and verse 32, um, all the believers, it says, were of one heart and mind. They were gr- there was great power amongst them. Much grace was upon them. And so the unity of believers attracts the power and presence of God in a remarkable way. But what does that look like in our own lives? Because it has to be worked out. Well, very often it's in relationships in broken relationships. Matthew 5 again, Jesus said this, therefore if you're offering a gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift and first go and be reconciled to your brother or sister then come and offer your gift. It's basically the only excuse in the Bible to get out of the church. Okay, halfway through a church service you're allowed to go out and leave to go and reconcile. Okay, that's, there's a, the, the command there. But unresolved relational conflict and, um, and that's, we just saw that shared, extending forgiveness to someone. And this principle extended by uh, Peter in 1 Peter 3, 7, he says to husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Look, relationships are key, good relationships, because as we're gracious to others, God is gracious to us, okay? Because he has forgiven us much, we're able as Anthea shared, to forgive others. Sometimes others aren't willing to reconcile. Um, it isn't possible to make amends in a situation. But as Romans 12, 18 encourages us, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you and I, then we're to live at peace with everyone. So there's this whole thing of unity, of resolving relational conflict, of extending forgiveness that attracts the presence and the power of God as we pray. The H, humility. Again, in the Old Testament, we read of the Israelites, and there's this great verse in uh, 2 Chronicles 7:14 that says, if, if they will humble themselves and pray that God will heal their land. Humility. In the Gospels, we read of uh, the tax collector and the Pharisee. Uh, Luke 18, the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. 
He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. The book of Hebrews tells us that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humility attracts the presence and power of God. You know, Palm Sunday, as it is today, we remember Jesus going in on the donkey and the humility as he went to his ultimate execution to give his life for you and I, uh, modeled in him. But what does that look like in our lives? Well, one area would be confessing sin. To confess sin takes humility. When we get it wrong, it takes humility. Pride is the thing that holds it in. Okay, we're not gonna confess it because it, it hurts our pride in all of that. And yet in the, in the Bible we're told that unconfessed sin acts as a barrier. Our iniquities have separated us from God. It takes humility to confess sins. And if we struggle with that because of our pride, which each of us has, then it just might be helpful to know that humility is a beautiful thing. Humility is a powerful thing. Okay, confession is the first step to freedom from things in our lives. But also it attracts the power and the presence of God for mountain moving prayer. James chapter five, verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Again, the link to prayer. Humility might be our motives. You know, we have that danger, as somebody put it, of having a dear Santa list. That's, you know, everything that I might possibly want in life. James 4, verse 3 says, you do not have because you do not ask. So we need to ask, as we've just heard. But when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Oops. So, you know, million pounds, three cars, sports cars, please, and a yacht in the Bahamas. Might be, God might say, Andy, just let me just check your motives here. Is this slight self-centeredness here? Not quite sure. Okay, make me famous, make me rich, make sure I have a good time, make all my dreams come true, uh, amen. Um, as Bill Hybels put it um, quite well, I think he said, we need to be careful we don't get confused between our wants and our needs, our rights and, our, and the favor of God. You know, because of this is my just desire, this is what I should get, rather than the grace and the gifting of God. You know, we, we want things for convenience rather than being conformed to the likeness of Christ. And so we come with humility and we check our motives. And third aspect is to do with our, our caring attitudes or uncaring attitudes. Proverbs 21 verse 13, if a person shuts their ears to the cry of the poor, they too will cry out and not be answered, says the proverb. There was that amazing passage in Isaiah 58 where the Israelites were wondering why God wasn't answering their prayers. And they fasted and they humbled themselves. And yet God says, this is the kind of fasting and humility I'm looking for, to loose the chains of injustice, to share food with the hungry, to clothe the naked. Don't turn from your own flesh and blood. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. And as you keep your ears open to the afflicted, God keeps his ears open to us. Okay, caring attitudes in that rather than prideful living. And so we have unity. 
resolving relational conflict, extending forgiveness, even when it's hard. Humility, confessing our sin, checking our motives, looking out for the poor. And then the F is for faith. For faith, which is the whole thing of trusting that God can intervene. Hebrews 11:6. without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Mark 6 verse five, it tells of Jesus goes to a place and he could do no miracles there except lay hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Okay, the power of God somehow needs to be released with faith in the situation. And in the passage today, Matthew 21, Jesus replied, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only will you say to this fig tree, um, but also you can say to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And so our faith is trusting that God can intervene in that situation, in that impossible situation that God can intervene. And as we express that, it draws his power, it draws his attention in a special way. But then we have to step out in faith. Okay, we then step into the situation. And if you go back to the story of Joshua in Joshua chapter three, the situation there isn't a mountain, it's a river. And they're supposed to cross this uncrossable river to get to the other side. And uh, the priests went ahead with the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was this big brown wooden box cased in gold and it had three key things in it. It had the Ten Commandments, the two tablets of stone from, from Moses. It had Aaron's budding staff which had been used in a miraculous ways in the past and it had a pot of manna which was the, the God's provision in the wilderness. And they were symbols of the power of God and the provision of God in remarkable ways. And so the Ark of the Covenant goes out with the priests. But it says, as their feet touched the water, okay, as they stepped into the water, the miracle happened and the water stops flowing upstream somewhere. God intervenes in that situation. And um, as an aside, although quite an important aside, um, at the moment as a church, we've stepped out in lots of ways. Um, in the community and in all that we're doing. And we have some financial challenges uh, around that. And it's a faith step. Um, and basically we need another month's worth of money. If there was 13 months in the year, we'd be fine. But there's, there's 12 and that, that's where we're currently at. And uh, often giving is a faith step for us. It's one of the biggest tests of our faith. And um, in a sense, at the moment, we, we need to find more. We need to pray for more, but we need to give more into that and trust God for it. You know, if we give 10%, can we give 11%? If we give 5% into the church, can we give 6%? Can we go up that 1%? If we give 100 pounds in a month, can we give 110 pounds each month? If we don't give anything, and this is to people in, the, in, the, in Riverside, so if you're a guest today, this is not really for you. But if we don't give, can we begin to give regularly, even a little? Because giving is one of the tests of faith and it's a step that we step into and then we see God do the miracle and God provide into us. But mountain moving faith starts in weakness and in asking and we've heard that this morning. But it ends with strength and with thanking as God begins to move and as we step into the reality of that faith by faith too. I was hearing about a church, a remarkable Sunday they had. And they had 100 people baptized, 
You can imagine the celebration that there was. And uh, it was a joy-filled day and the pastor of the church came down afterwards and he met a woman on the staircase weeping her eyes out, crying her eyes out. And uh, he said, are you okay? And she said, well, no, no, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling. She says, my mother was baptized today. And he goes, and that's a problem? Is that? And she said, well, I've prayed for her every day for 20 years. And she started crying again. And he said, well, just help me understand this. And she said, well, I'm crying because I came so close to giving up on her. So close. She said, after five years, I said, who needs this? God isn't listening. After 10 years, I said, why am I wasting my breath? After 15 years, she said, I'm just foolish. And she said, even though my faith was weak and getting weaker, I kept praying. And finally, she's given her life to Jesus. And today, she was baptized. And she looked him straight in the eye and she just said, I will never doubt the power of prayer again. I just believe God wants to speak into your life now. Just individually into your heart. So let's just take a moment just to reflect. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come with great love and great grace and great power and just begin to speak into each one of our hearts now. I believe he's speaking into your life. It might be about stuff to deal with. Hopeless situations, but just a step that you can take to confess, to, conf- to forgive. To care about someone. It may be stuff to pray for, someone to pray for. I just believe God is speaking to every single person in this room now about something. He doesn't come to condemn, but just to, to show us very specifically Holy Spirit, search our hearts. And I pray now, Lord, that you would give each one of us the courage, you give each one of us the faith. to step into whatever that is. And I pray, Lord, we will see you move in mighty ways.